Well, good morning. We're going to ask you to stand this morning as we get ready to worship the Lord this morning. Those joining online, we welcome you to church this morning and uh, hope that you enjoy the services this morning. Those that are in-house, we are so excited to have you in church this morning. Let's sing an old hymn of the church, Pass Me Not, uh, O Gentle Savior.
make their way at this time. Again, praise the Lord. Amen. First John chapter 5. Whosoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begot love of him also, that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Praise the Lord. I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer. And I ask at this time that we all pray. Praise the Lord. I ask him to touch and bless this service. In Jesus' name. Father, again, we're thankful. Thankful, Lord, for your love, mercy, and grace. Lord, we just pray that you have your way in this service today, Lord. Lord, we invite your presence. Father, I pray that the prayers of your people, Lord, will be sweet incense going up to an almighty God. Lord, we love you and thank you, Lord, for all that you do in our lives. Father, again, Lord, we come together, Lord, in one, one mind and one accord to worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth. Again, we thank you, Lord all that you do in our lives. Father, I pray, Lord, that we continue, Lord, to do your work and do your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's remain standing this morning. Let's stand again and let's go right back into worship this morning. We are in the month of December, so we'll begin starting our Christmas uh, series and things and singing songs about the birth of Christ. So this morning, we're going to just simply sing an old uh, Bill Gaither's song, What Did You Say Was the Baby's Name? So let's worship the Lord.
goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Lord, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. So easy. All my life you have been Sing it one more time, all my life. And all my life you have been faithful. Has been God been good to you? All my life you have been so, so good. 
Lord, with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Lord, I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise in the house this morning? Oh, God's been good to us. Amen. You may be seated briefly in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says just where two or three are in the midst. They gather together in His name. He is in their midst. It only takes two or three of us. But I believe God is in the house today. What a beautiful reminder this morning that God has been so, so good to us. Has He been good to anybody else beside the preacher this week? You know, there's a lot of folks today that would love to trade places with you. Let me just briefly read you some of the folks that would love to trade places with you today. I'm sure Bonnie Gunn would rather trade places with you today instead of being at home battling cancer today. I'm sure Robert Chambers would rather be here today than to be battling cancer and starting his treatments. I'm sure... Brother Gill and Sister Sybil Imran would rather be here today than bedridden this morning sick with sinus infections and ear infections. I'm sure Stan and Brenda Frierson would rather be here today than battling sickness and stomach issues and ear infections and coughing and pneumonia-like symptoms. I'm sure they'd trade places with you if they could. I'm sure Jamie and Christina Coker would rather be here than being on antibiotics for sinus infections and upper respiratory infections this morning. Though Sister Ann is here this morning, I bet she'd trade places with all the healthier ones of us than battling pneumonia today. I'm glad she's here even battling pneumonia. That speaks volumes. Some people won't even let pneumonia keep them from God. I'm sure Sister Barnes would rather be here today rather than having to wait and watch a dying brother slowly pass from this life to the next life. I'm sure she'd rather be here than having to sit there and watch that. I'm sure that if she was physically able, I'm sure Brother Barnes' sister who is in the hospital and is not doing very well and not expected to live and every day the doctors are amazed she's still here. I'm sure if she could trade places in terms of being healthy and not be laying on a bedridden dying, I'm sure she'd trade places with us today. You see, there's a lot of folks that wish they could be here today. But they can't. But we are. We are. There's others that are not here for various reasons. Maybe it's out of town. I don't know the reasons yet. Those are just the ones I know. Maybe there are some out of town. Maybe there are some that are sick. Maybe there are some that are traveling. But whatever the reason is, God made sure that we were able to be here today. You know, I'm sure that Colton and Mackenzie, who are not feeling too well and are at home today with their mom, I'm sure they wish they weren't feeling too pukey and 
punky today. There's a lot of people out there that would trade places with us in a heartbeat. So whether we really want to ever admit it or not, God has been really good to us this week. He has been. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. While you're turning there, those joining online, please don't forget to download the Our Church app. You can always follow us on that at Santee Circle COG. All information regarding the church, SanteeCircleCOG.org. Parents, don't forget to please get your kids today if they're in the back somewhere. Please take them home with you. You can always take more home with you than you came with, but don't leave with any less than you came with. Uh, make sure they all get taken somewhere home, please. And uh, I'm sure that they'll have cookies waiting for them after church, but uh, you take them home with you. Uh, for those that are watching online, you can always re-listen to our services on Google or Apple Podcast. Um, Always, there's multiple ways to give to the body of Christ here at the church, in-house, online, on the Tithe.ly app, or also on uh, via mail at 1211 North Highway 52. If you are in-house today and you haven't been able to give yet, remember the wooden boxes up front and at the rear of the auditorium. You can stick those envelopes in there as well. Parents, don't forget next Saturday from 11 to 1, Miss Sandy and Miss Jeannie want to babysit your kids for you. Not exactly, but something similar to that. But they want you to uh, bring them for a Christmas party. And uh, they're going to teach them or talk to them about the meaning of Christmas, but in a fun way and give them something exciting to look forward to. Also, that same day, later in the night, 5 p.m., is our church Christmas party. We're going to have a fish fry. We're going to have all kinds of stuff. If you don't like fish uh, and hush puppies and coleslaw, things like that, then bring some other things like chicken wings or or vegetable trays, whatever you like. If you're not a big fish person, bring other stuff. Uh, I think we may have a lead. I'm not sure, but we may have a lead on about a bushel of oysters that will be here as well for those of you that like oysters. So there'll be an oyster roast for those of you that like that. Those of you that like that, you can have my portion because I'll be gladly pass those right on to you. Anything that slides away from me before I get to chew it is not worth having. Um, I try. The only other thing like that is snot, and I try not to eat that either. So I don't want that. So you can have my portion. But I heard a little bit of hot sauce makes it taste better. I don't know, but you do what you need to do. Uh, bring your own little shucking things that you use, the little tools that you use to pop them open. And y'all just have a field day, and uh, you can have my portion. Uh, but I think we may have some of those as well. So there's going to be all kinds of stuff. But we're just going to get together and just have a time of, of, uh, of just fellowship together. Uh, as well. If you want to play the uh, gift exchange, just bring anywhere from a five, ten dollar down to be anything expensive. Gift, just have it already wrapped. We'll once we know how many people are here with the gifts and how many you brought, we'll we'll have numbers and we'll number everybody to make sure everybody gets to play that wants to play, and uh, you'll get to leave uh, with a gift uh, of some sort. Uh, so we're excited about that as well. Uh, also, don't forget that our Owl Ministry, our Outreach with Love is collecting items to give gift bags to our seniors and to our shut-ins this year. We want to bless our senior adult ministries, those that are homebound and even some that maybe are not homebound but that could just use a little bit of Christmas spirit. And uh, we have items, uh, we have a list out there on a sheet of items we're collecting uh, that we need turned in by next Sunday, December the 12th, if possible, so we can have the following week to bag them up to get out by Christmas. Uh, there are things like pens and pencils and word search, big jumbo word search and crossword puzzles and socks and hand lotions and hand sanitizers, hard candies, both regular and sugar-free, um, uh, 
I'm put on blankets, uh, things like that. Just things that that uh, older folks would would just be able to feel loved by giving getting a gift this year. Things that they could use. Uh, we got a couple in uh, uh, in the nursing homes that we give to, and then we have people like Sister Laura Mae Skipper and uh, Sister Jane and some others that are homebound that we want to bless them this year too. So any of those folks uh, that you can think of. Uh, that uh, we may have missed, please tell Sister Jennifer or Sister Sandy or myself, somebody, if you think of somebody that you would like for us to add to our list. Uh, we've already started the list, but we're willing to help anybody that thinks of somebody could use a little holiday spirit. So help us collect those items. There are sheets back there in the foyer area at the table right by the nursery. They'll tell you what all we need. If you don't want to buy all the items, that's fine. If you want to buy one of each, that's fine. If you want to buy just one set of something, we just want to know by next week so we can go out the following week and, and accent what we don't have and, and make sure we have those available for the services. Today we start, it's hard to believe it's Christmas, y'all. It's hard to believe we're already in December. I mean, I I don't know where the year has went. It seems like it has flown by. We're starting our new series in December, The Characters of Christmas today and we're going to be over the next few weeks talking about the important people if you will of the Christmas season so if you have your Bibles to Luke chapter 1 we'll begin in verse 11 I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning Luke chapter number 1 we'll begin in verse number 11 And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer has been heard. Thy wife Elizabeth will bear a son. Thou shalt call his name John. Thou will have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall neither drink wine nor strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn their hearts back to the Lord. He shall go before him, talking about Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elias or Elijah, depending on translation, and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? How is this possible? I'm an old man, and my wife is well stricken, meaning my wife is old. We're past this season of time. We're ready to be grandparents. We don't even have children. We're not wanting to start over. If you look at verse 59 with me, And it came to pass that on the eighth day they circumcised the child, and they called unto Zacharias. They called him Zacharias after the name of his father. But his mother, Elizabeth, answered and said, Not so. We are calling him John. And they said in her, tell us why. There's nobody in your family called by this name. You don't even have anybody in your family ever named. You've got to remember in Hebrew culture, you tried to name it after the father or a patriarch or of the faith. You, you was a family name. They said, you don't even have anybody in the whole family named John. Why would you do that? So they made signs, because you remember Zacharias was mute for his unbelief. They wrote signs and said, Why? Tell him, tell us why his name's got to be John. What do you want us to call him? And he asked for a tablet to write on, and he said, writing, his name is John. And they marveled. 
And the mouth of Zechariah was open, or one translation will say was loosed immediately. And his tongue loosed or freed, and he spake and praised God. This morning I want to preach on this title, Say It Ain't So. Say It Ain't So. The joy of a promise. The joy of a promise. I'm going to ask the former pastor and shepherd of this house, Pastor Art, if he would pray over the reading of God's Word. Pastor, will you pray today? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord today. Say it ain't so. See, to understand the complexity of this story, Sister Tana, and the stage monitor, if you'll take me out, just in the stage monitor, it's a little hot on me up top. You see, to understand the complexities of this story, you first have to understand the magnitude of this story. You see, there's... Zacharias and Elizabeth, that's obviously the first two of the characters of Christmas we're going to talk about today. Because they play a huge role in the Christmas story. See, a lot of people just start out with the shepherds and, you know, behold a virgin. They'll start out with Isaiah's passage, behold a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. And then the people like to jump and straight into the shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel of the Lord said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And the shepherds say one to another, Let us make haste and, and go find this child on whom these angels sing about. And then people like to jump back to Matthew, where the magi or the wise men, as some translation calls them, travel from the far east, from the Orient region, probably somewhere from the China region or the Orient region of the day and bring these lavishing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, and over the next couple of weeks, we may talk about more in depth some of these folks' uh, expectations or experiences of Christmas. But for me personally, I always love to start when I think of the Christmas story of the predecessor of Christ known as John the Baptist. No, he was not Baptist as a denomination. It was just a name given to him because he would be the one that would precede Christ and start what we in the church refer to as water baptism. He would take people once they were saved down to the Jordan River and he would baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And if you remember eventually in time, this is the same John that had the distinct privilege of baptizing Christ himself in the Jordan River upon which the heavens opened up and the Lord spoke and the Spirit of the Lord in the form of a dove came and rested upon Jesus and God boomed from heaven's corridors this is my son with whom I am well pleased see in order before we can jump right into the shepherds and the wise men there are two people that started this story off named Zachariah and Elizabeth 
See, Zechariah was a faithful man. In fact, if you start back reading, if you read it for time's sake, I'm not going to. But if you start back reading in the first part of Luke chapter 1, the Bible gives us a little bit of, if you will, resources or a little bit of background about Zechariah and Elizabeth. In fact, the Bible said Zacharias was a righteous man. He was a good man. He was a man that was faithful to God. In fact, the Bible said that Zacharias was doing his duty, being faithful to what God called him to do because Zacharias was a priest. He was the, of, the, of the family or the order of the Levites. He was a priest. And the, every so often a, a priest would get the, if you will, the drawing card to go in and to make the burning of the incense in the temple of the Lord. See, what you have to understand is that was not something... That happened all the time. See, there were hundreds and hundreds of priests because of the Levitical uh, 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 priesthood, but not everybody got it. It was almost like casting lots or drawing straws. It was like every year a new person you would kind of cast lots or straws. So there might be thousands of people waiting. In fact, some scholars say that a priest could live his entire life and never have had the opportunity to walk into the Holy of Holies and burn the incense there. But for this particular reason or this particular time, Zacharias got his number, if you will, drawn out of the hat or his straw picked out of the hat. Now, before I go any further, I want to first say this. God is not a God of coincidence. God is a God of divine order. God doesn't just think, God doesn't sit in heaven and when something happens, he goes, oh, well, that's just coincidental. I did not see that happening. No, God says, the word of the Lord says, the steps of a good man, a righteous man and woman are ordered of the Lord. I told you that Luke says that Zacharias was a righteous man. So what that tells me is when God divinely orchestrates our steps, he will align our, our lives, our lives plans with his divine will and when we walk in divine order and the will of the Lord God will direct our steps which means every blessing we receive was not a coincidence every miracle we received was not just a happenstance or luck of the draw or because the doctor was that good no it meant there's a God sitting high above heaven and earth whose heavens is uh, whose earth is his footstool and the vastness of heaven is in the palm of his hand there's a God that has divine order and he knows what he wants to accomplish in each and every one of our lives that's the God we serve and we know that Zacharias didn't really expect to necessarily get that opportunity but before we even break forth this message today you have to understand the background even further for 400 years we have no writings of any sorts now, that's not to say God didn't speak. We don't know if God spoke or not. But if he did speak, nobody wrote it down. Because at the end of the Malachi prophetic pamphlet that he wrote, to the beginning of the New Testament or the orators of the New Testament's writings, for 400, of si 400 years of silence, nothing. Now, I don't know if God spoke or not. That's not for me to debate nor even really for me to really know, because that's not what's really important. What's important to me is that even in the midst of dark days, God's still working behind the scenes. What that tells me is there's 400 years of silence, 400 years of darkness. Now, the writer here, Luke, Luke was a, uh, not necessarily a contemporary of the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and John. Luke kind of wrote his a little bit after. He started using eyewitness accounts. He would talk to Peter and others, and he would write his accounts a little bit later. Mark 
actually wrote his first, even though uh, he was John Mark, he kind of wrote his first, and Matthew and, and John kind of wrote, and the reason those three are called the Synoptic Gospels is because basically they stay on the same the same theme or journey together. Luke, as a doctor, he was more in, interested in the medical side of things. He wanted to tell about every miracle because as a doctor, it was impossible for dead people to get up. As a doctor, it was impossible for issues of blood to dry up. As a doctor, it's impossible for blinded eyes to mysteriously be able to see. As a doctor, it's impossible for deaf ears to automate. Luke was amazed. And so Luke gives us more of the, if you will, biological aspect of Jesus' birth because he's amazed at this from a medical perspective. And Luke tells us, he writes a certain word in the first part of Luke chapter 1 that lets his readers know what type of, or what kind of day that it was in. See, you can almost overread this what phrase I'm about to tell you and not realize the significance and importance of this. But Luke knew that when he wrote this particular phrase that anybody that ever read his book would understand what he was saying. And here's the phrase. And it was as in the days of Herod. Now, for most people, think he, people would just think, oh, he's just writing that just to kind of give us an introductory paragraph. No, that's not it. He wrote that because anybody that read this remembered there was a wicked king that came to power during that time known as Herod the Tetrarch. Herod the Tetrarch was such a wicked and vile man. In fact, he was so mycogenic and, and he was so vile and so that he actually at one point killed all, of his siblings, uh, killed all of his siblings and his own children because he was afraid of them usurping him and taking over the throne. He literally killed his own flesh and blood because he was that power hungry. He was a vile man, a wicked man. He's also the same Herod Tetrarch that would eventually upon the birth and arrival of Jesus would get so jealous because he heard there was another king born in his territory that he would annihilate every child that was under the age of two and under because he did not want anybody to use her. Can I tell you that it's not just about Herod, but that's just like the enemy of our soul today. The writer of John said this, that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But John said, but God said he came that I would have life and I would have it more abundantly. The devil is all about destruction. He is all about vile and wickedness. This world we're living in is a dark world. This world we're living in is vile and wicked but even in the midst of dark and wicked and vile times there is still a light shining in the darkness it's the light of the world a city set on a hill that light is Jesus Christ that's why the old song says we'll need no light in that city for the Lamb of God will be the light up there we can still have hope in the midst of dark times because there's still joy in the promises of God it was a dark day a trying day. But the first thing I want you to understand is there's a problem on the horizon. Herod is the problem. 400 years of silence. 400 years of no written word of God. Could you imagine going 400 years and you have nothing to show for in terms of the word of the Lord being spoken. It's like he vanished. But see, that's what the devil would want you to think. See, I want to remind somebody this morning. The devil wants you to think in certain times of darkness that God forsook you and forgot about you. The devil wants you to think that sometimes in your life it feels like 400 years of silence that God turned his back on you at your darkest time and left you with nothing to hold on but sand in your hand. 
But can I tell you, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how bleak it seems, and no matter how depressing you feel, God has never turned his back on you. For the Bible said he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. For I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be as close as the very mention of, your, of his name or in his tra- on the translation as the mention of, of your name, the, the translator says. But I've come by to remind somebody this morning that you might right now feel like you're walking through a dark season. Maybe you're walking through a trying time. Maybe you're afraid of a job situation. Maybe you've got children problems. Maybe your marriage is in shambles. Maybe you feel like all hope is lost. But but I'm telling you, even in the midst of the darkness and even in the midst of the heartache and even in the midst of the pain and even in the midst of the frustration and the depression, there is still a God that's sitting on heaven. The devil might make you think God's not in control. The devil might make you think there's no hope. The devil might make you think this world's going to hell in a handbasket and there's nothing the government or anybody else is going to do to fix it. But you came to the right place, whether in-house or online this morning, because I came by to remind somebody God's never caught off guard. God's never never slumbered nor sleeping. God knows exactly what He's doing. And even when it seems like I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear no evil, for God is right there with me in the midst of it all. He's right there. He's right there. So Herod is the vile and wicked man. Even in dark days, God is still up to something. Imagine for a moment you have faithful people people that have been to church all their lives faithful people who feel like failures during this point in time holy people with a hopeless heart committed people who feel conquered you see I remember the story and I'm not going to preach it for time's sake but I remember the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19 after he has this great conquest of defeating 450 prophets of Baal the very next chapter you read he's running for his life because Jezebel is now he's just called fire down from heaven caused a saturated trench of water to catch on fire which is impossible and in the fire to be so hot that it scorches the rocks licks up the water and consumes the sacrifice impossible stuff he called it straight out of heaven And the very next chapter, he's running from one woman, a wicked woman, Jezebel. And we find him saying this word, sitting in the backside of a desert, God, I am the only one left in this entire world for you. The Bible said God actually told Elijah, that's actually not true. There are more that have not bowed to the idols or bowed to Baal. In fact, It was over 7,000, not 700, 7,000 people, God said, had not bowed to Baal. See, we've often coined around this church the phrase, hope. Hold on, pandemic's in. Hold on, problem's in. Hold on, God's promises are eternal. See, at the end of the day, you know what Christmas is all about? Hope. Hope. See, I I said to you this morning, the title was Say It Ain't So, The Joy of a Promise. When Zacharias was standing there by the altar, he goes in to burn incense. But see, the reason he could burn incense is because he was a man of purity. He was pure of heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? 
Now what happened with Zacharias? He walks into a temple. A righteous man, a pure man, a blameless man, pure of heart. This particular day, Sister Brenda, wasn't a fluke. God didn't just luckily let him get the drawing card that day. God knew exactly what he needed to hear. God met him. Where Can I tell you, even when you don't know where God is, God always knows where you are. And if God has to set up and divinely orchestrate it to meet you where you are, you may think you're just going through the motions, but God can show up and change the motions and make it a service like you've never been in before. He walks into church that morning, Brother Larry. He takes his incense. He walks into the room, and he begins to do his duties. You know what he was? He was faithful, Brother Marion. He just kept doing what he knew God called him to do. It is something to be said about men and women who remain faithful to the cause of Christ, even when the world turns their back on them, even when everybody else says they're foolish and crazy. There is something to be said for a remnant of God's people in the midst of pandemonium and pandemics. It is something to be said for faithful men and women that still read their word, that still pray, that still fast, that still go to church. There is something still to be said about faith in the house of the Lord he comes and presents his sacrifice he begins to pray being faithful going through the motions and nobody's heard from God in a while he has no inclination today's going to be any different he's just like I'm going to church again I'm going to go listen to the word again I'm going to sing another song again I'm just going to go through the motions again as he's praying, the Bible said suddenly an angel appears on the right side of the altar. You have to also understand the context of where the angel positioned himself. Because in the Hebrew, the right side, the right arm, everything right, right denoted dominance, strength. They would shake with the right hand, dominance, the right hand. That's why if you remember when Jacob named his son, when Rachel was about to deliver and she was dying, she named him Ben-Onai, son of sorrow. Jacob said, not so. His name will be Benjamin, son of my right hand. This man's going to be a powerful force. He's going to do something for God. See, it's all about the right side. The angel positioned himself on the right side of the altar, the strong side, because the Bible said, if God be for me, God, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. God didn't put it on the left side. It wasn't a coincidence. God was letting Zechariah even know at the altar, I've got it under control. There is nobody stronger than me. I'm in control. I'm all-powerful. I'm omniscient. I'm omnipresent. I'm omnipotent. I've got it under control. You keep doing what you're doing, and you let me do what only I can do. Zechariah is terrified. You see, Zacharias was pure in heart. He was faithful. He was upright. He was pure. But after he saw this angel, his purity turned into sheer panic. He freaked out. Now, before we judge Zechariah too harshly, what would happen if you're laying in your bed tonight? The lights are out. You're getting ready to rest, and all of a sudden an angel shows up in full color, right in front of you. I mean, you don't, you're not hallucinating. A real, live, tangible being enters into the room. Your alarm has been set. The doors have been locked. And there's no bullet in the chamber that's going to affect this guy standing in your room. How many of us would be laying there going, hey, it's good seeing you again? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Some of y'all would have a heart attack right there and just be, you'd be over. You'd be going with the angel a different direction. You know, you'd freak out. Who, who wouldn't? It's, you got yourself barred in and locked in thinking you're safe, and all of a sudden somebody else got in the house that shouldn't have been there. You'd be freaking out. Zechariah wasn't expecting anybody because you've got to understand the context. In order to go and burn incense, everybody couldn't go in. Because people that weren't right with God and pure with God, they die when they put, step foot on the threshold of 
the temple or the, the holy place. I wonder if God still did stuff like that today, how many people would be less in this world? That when they walked into church, when they stepped on the church property, they were zapped if they weren't right with God. Y'all think about that for a moment. There wouldn't be near as many mega churches, I promise you. Hello, preacher. Now, that's good preaching even if you don't like me. That's good. That's a good word today. Because anything can draw a mass, but not everything. Everything that draws a crowd doesn't mean God's in the midst. In fact, according to the Word of God, I found out many times there can be 5,000 people thronging Jesus, but only one person got a hold of the hem of the garment, and he answered one when 5,000 other people were there for the show. 5,000 people can come for the show, but just because there's a crowd don't mean Jesus is there for the crowd. He's there for one. For one. Thousands. Peter said, Lord, there's thousands thronging you. And Jesus said, yeah, the rest of them are here, but somebody actually got a hold of me today. Somebody prayed. He got another prayer through. Somebody touched the... So I felt virtue. Yeah, I understand, Peter. There's a lot of people here watching the show, but one person came to participate in the plan. See, I told somebody just this week, I said, you know, churches went... They've changed over the years. Churches went from an event of participation to an event of spectating. People come to church to spectate, not participate. They want to sit. They want a good song. A good concert, a good encouraging, uplifting, upbeat word, a good pat on the back, but they don't want to have to put anything in it. They want you to do it all, give it to them, hand it to them on a silver platter, and let them leave here fat and happy and feel like they've spiritually accomplished something because they did their religious quota by going to church on Sunday around the holidays. See, see, church has become a spectating event. Let's see who sings. Let's see who's preaching. Let's see who's reading the scripture rather than participating event. See, there is a reason. People think sometimes that we probably do some things crazy right here. There's a reason we read Scripture aloud because we want you to see it on the screen. There's a reason at the end of service we read the, the church proclamation and declaration, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. There's a reason, or my strength and my redeemer. There's a reason because we want you to say it because church was never designed for you to just sit here and watch. It was for you to participate in the events. We don't stand up here and ask you to stand and sing because we think we're that horrible sounding. Even when we aren't always on tune or on key, we ask you to stand and sing because the song's got to resonate in your heart. It's not about us. It's about you getting in communication with the Lord. Zacharias freaks out. He's scared to death. You know how I know he's scared to death? Because of this phrase. He was righteous before God. The angel of the Lord appeared on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, Luke 11, or 1 verse 12, when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled in spirit and he fell down to the ground. But the angel said, do not be afraid. That lets me know even the angel knew Zacharias was afraid. Zacharias freaked out and the angel said, calm down, calm down. It's kind of like a child when they scrape their knee from playing sports or riding a bike or whatever. They freak out at first when they see blood. Freak out. Now, you go over there and you start freaking out and be like, oh, my gosh, you're going to die. Yeah, that's not going to help. But when you go over there very calm, ain't nothing. Look, you tell them a story about how you busted your eye playing football or you tell them some other story that makes their story don't seem as big. Or you tell them, hey, blood means you're tough. It means you're stronger. It means you beat up the side. If you think that's what happened to your knee, imagine how it felt to the concrete. And you, you, you encourage them. They All of a sudden, they get back up and they be like, bring it on. Concrete, I'm ready for round two. Let's go. 
then you're like, yeah, but let's try to not do it again. But I mean, I know you think you're big, bad, and, you know, but don't do it again if we can help it. But when you freak out, they freak out. See, the angel of the Lord knew Zacharias was freaking out, but the angel was like, calm down, calm down, fear not. I'm not here to kill you. <laughs> I'm not the death angel. You're good. I come to talk to you. And begins to unfurl the plan of God. You see, in that time period, there were a lot of things going on. Elizabeth probably was looked at by everybody in town as a woman who had sin in her life because her and Zacharias could not produce an offspring. Because in that culture, the inability for a wife to not produce an offspring for her husband was looked at as a sign of disgrace, that you did not fulfill your role as a, as, as a, as a wife to your husband. No doubt she probably felt like a failure. I can't even give my husband a, a, a seed to carry on the family name. I can give him that. I'm a failure. She's a good Christian woman. She's upright and blameless, just like Zachariah. But, you know, even good people sometimes feel like failures. Even godly people sometimes feel like failures. Even Christian folks sometimes feel like failures. And she goes, I don't know what to do. Zacharias and her probably had many nights of crying and tears. Zacharias and her probably had many nights where they laid in their bed or they sat in a room or they carried on conversations together where literally in that moment she probably at one time or another even said to Zachariah, I'm sorry, I failed you. I'm sorry I can't give you a son. I'm sorry I can't carry on the family name. I'm sorry. You see, back then there was no such thing to take infertility treatment. She didn't walk down to the local clinic and be able to get diagnosed and test and find out what's the cause and try to try different means and methods. There wasn't if you there wasn't doctors like that. Like we didn't have they didn't have that kind of technology. So if you didn't produce a child, there wasn't really a reason other than you just didn't and you were you felt like a failure. But that's how the devil wants us to feel. The devil wants you to feel like you're an ultimate failure every time you mess up or you can't live up to the expectations you think God's placed on your life. The devil loves to make us feel like failures. He's freaked out. He's scared. There's no child. You see, don't equate being barren or being broken. Some people will equate, say, oh, well, you're a broken shell. You're broken. Your heart's broken. That's true. But the Bible said a broken and a contrite spirit God will never despise. God knows how to mend broken hearts and put broken lives back together again. Broken marriages, broken homes, broken churches. God is in the restoration business. And the Bible tells me that we need to understand this, this particular uh, thought. Don't equate brokenness and barrenness to abandonment by God. God does not abandon you even when you feel broken. Even when you're at rock bottom, God does not abandon you. They're disappointed. There were 24,000 priests at the time of Zacharias that we can come back and calculate during that time period. The odds of drawing the straws to going into the Holy of Holies that day was one out of 24,000 men. Some men would live an entire lifetime never getting the opportunity to ever step foot inside those doors. But see, after the panic, Zacharias decides that he's going to protest to God's plan. Zacharias, the angel says, Zachariah, God's chosen you and your wife. Y'all going to have a baby. Zacharias says, say it ain't so. 
That ship has sailed a long time ago. Look, Angel, I know what you said, but I just want to let you know, you obviously must have missed your marching orders from God. We too old for this job. We in our 70s, we ain't trying to change diapers for a living. We don't mind babysitting the grandchild overnight, but we sending them back to mama the next day. They ain't living with us forever. We passed that. We ready for the Winnebago and travel, not nurse. This is not how we designed this. Retirement was not to be potty training. I'm still trying to remain potty trained. I can't train somebody else. Come on, somebody. I don't want a baby. I don't need that right now. If you'd have said that 30 years ago, we could have talked about this, but I'm too old. And Zacharias, being the loving husband and doting husband that he is, says, and even my wife's old. She ain't got time for that either. I'm glad Elizabeth wasn't there when he said that. They may not have been married very long after that. But I guess what you say to God in the quietness and secrecy, not in front of your spouse, I guess, is between you and God. But he told God, even the wife's kind of old, God. Your old gray mare, she ain't. That's right. Y'all got it. Zechariah said, I can't do this, God. Notice, Gabe, notice the angel's response. He said, who are you talking to, boy? I am Gabriel. Now, people think, well, why would he make sure that he says his name is Gabriel? What's the importance of that? Because Gabriel felt insulted by this response because of his reply back. He said, Zechariah, you don't understand who you're talking to, son. I am Gabriel. I have had the opportunity to stand, not sit, not bow. Everybody stands before the, Remember what Moses said? I can, Moses said, I want to see your face. God said, you can't look at my face and live. You die. I'm going to have to hide you behind the cleft of a rock. When my back part goes behind, I'll let you see that. And even that made Moses' face glow to such a point that he had to wear a veil because common man could not stand to look at him. It was so bright. Gabriel said, I am Gabriel. I've not had to hide from God, bow down to God, or hide. I have stood in the very presence of where God sits. That's a pretty bad angel right there. A dude that can stand in God's presence. He said, who are you questioning? I have stood at the right side of the throne of God. I have been in God's presence right beside him. You're going to tell me that God can't do this. He said, because you don't believe, you won't talk until this baby's born. You won't talk. As careless as you make your way. So you got to understand something. Gabriel was not some little chubby-cheeked, plump, baby-faced creature flying around on little miniature wings with a bow and arrow. This is, the not, this, is not the, this is not the angel we're talking about. We're talking about an angel that is strong, that can yield a sword, an angel that is majestic in all his creation and all his being. This is a beautiful specimen of creation by God. So what do you do when your prayers outlast your faith? Zachariah and them had prayed for years, but nothing had happened. They've actually given up on this idea of having a baby. Now, you know, God could have chose to do a lot of things. Why didn't God let Zachariah be deaf? Why didn't God let Zachariah be blind? If it was only temporary, why... why why couldn't he just been temporarily blind or deaf or temporarily go bald? Why? Mute. Now, this is where I'm not preaching the 
KJV version. I'm preaching the JKV version. My dyslexia kicks in, and I translate it into what I think. Now, you can read it any way you want to, but this is what I think happened. I think God specifically knew why he took the speech. I think it was specific why God muted him. I mean, he could have done anything, deafness or blindness. But I think God specifically chose it because God is not going to allow your unbelief to poison what his plan is. And he's not going to allow you to speak defeat what he spoke life into. He's not going to let you speak death on what he's trying to resurrect. He's not going to let you kill what he's trying to burn. So God said, here's the deal, Zechariah. You're going to still have a baby. Your mouth says it's impossible, and you say that's not going to happen. So instead of you going home and telling Elizabeth how bad you got it and how impossible this is and how... I'm going to shut you up so you can't say nothing. So when this happens, you gave no idea. You will have to say this was only because of God. Because God knows that our mouth gets us in trouble a whole lot more than it should. That's why God gave us two to one. Listen twice as much as we speak. The Bible says that let the power of life and death lies within the... That means your mouth can get you in trouble. So God said, Zechariah, I'm going to shut you down before you shut my spirit down. He muted him. He muted him. But I said to you that this title was, Say It Ain't So. Zechariah already said this, but there's a joy of a promise. In the fullness of time, the Bible says, in chapter 1, around verse 57 and 58 and following, Elizabeth gets pregnant over time. And she comes ready to deliver a baby. During this stretch of time, though, something happens that most people don't read chronologically. While she's pregnant, that same Gabriel gets assigned to another location. He goes over into the Galilean region to a young girl who's probably sweeping the house or cleaning or doing something around the house, a virgin girl by the name of Mary. That same Gabriel says, fear not to her too. For I come to give you a message, Mary. Behold, you will conceive and bring forth the son. You will call his name Emmanuel. And she said, how is this possible? Notice she didn't say, God, I can't do it. She just said, Lord, how's that going to happen? Because I don't know a man. See, she didn't poison the plan. She just wanted to understand the plan. God doesn't have a problem with you sometimes wanting to understand it. He has a problem when you're trying to stop it. And she said, the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and come upon you. And you know what her next word was? Be it unto me according to your word. Not God, that can't happen. Zechariah was, God, we can't do this. Mary was, okay, God, however you think we need to do it. See, there's a difference here. When you decide to follow God, God will let you continue in the plan. When you try to stop God, God will remove the hindrance and still do what he's going to do. So whatever the devil tries to do, God will put a hindrance and a stop to it because God's plan is always going to prevail. Mary runs to Elizabeth, her cousin. Says, Elizabeth, you're not going to believe this. Elizabeth said, what do I have the pleasure of knowing the the mother, future mother of my Lord. How did she know that already? Because she was a righteous woman of God. Well, how do, why do I have the favor of visits? And you know what? Mary said, Mary said, you're not going to believe this. I'm pregnant. Elizabeth said, Mary, that's good, but you ain't going to believe this. 
I don't know how you're pregnant. I mean, I guess the Holy Spirit, I hear that. But Mary, I'm, I'm, I'm just north of 80. I'm just shy of 80. I'm pregnant. We're only about six months apart. Six months. The Bible said the Spirit of the Lord moved inside. Remember what the promise was. Upon the womb, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon your baby, Zechariah, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. That was the promise he gave Zechariah at the temple. The Bible said when Mary spoke to Elizabeth and finished her discourse or her song, Mary's song as some translation will call it, when she finished, the Bible said that the baby inside Elizabeth's womb leaped inside of her and was filled with the Holy Spirit before it was even born. But isn't that what God said he was going to do to Zacharias all the way back at the beginning? I will fill your baby with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Three months later passed by Brother Corey and Elizabeth goes into labor. And she brings forth a baby boy. All of the family comes to view the new baby and they're all excited. And they're like, oh, that's we're going to name him Zacharias. We're going to name him after the family, a family name. Elizabeth's like, no, no, no. He's got to be named John. What do you mean he's got to be named John? There's nobody in your family named John. Nobody's ever been called John in this family. They thought maybe the you know, postpartum of having the baby had affected Elizabeth's ability to think, so they run to Zacharias. By now, I'm sure everybody in the family knows he's mute, he's sign languaging, he can't talk. They said, we're going to name him after you, Elizabeth. You're the baby's daddy. Who's the baby's daddy? You're the, you're the father. You tell us. What do you want us to name him? He asked for a pencil and a pen or tablet. And he starts writing the words, His name shall be called John. Everybody's amazed at this. But the Bible said immediately. Remember, that's the son of promise. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Check. Name his name John. Check. You'll have a baby. Well, he's holding a baby. The Bible said as new as he said his name will be called John, God loosened his mouth. And before he even said, Elizabeth, I love you. John, you're beautiful. The Bible said the first thing he did was he praised God before he did anything else. That should tell us this Christmas season that before we ever put one morsel of food in our mouth, before we eat one fruitcake cookie or one piece of pie or before we eat or drink one one glass of punch, before we open one Christmas gift, before we uh, go to one Christmas party, before we have all these wonderful celebrations, the very first thing when our eyes open up every day, before we say, honey, I love you, before we go brush the teeth, before we go let the dog out, the first thing that should always be uttering out of a child of God's mouth when they wake up is, God, I thank you, I praise you, I glorify and lift up your name. You've given me one more day to live. You've let me see one more sunrise. You've let me see one more sunset. You've provided one more day for me to praise the Lord. There's something to be said about praising the Lord in the immediate moments of the time we are given. His name shall be called John. And understand the complexity, the power of this story. You have to understand why John. Why John? Nobody knows, nobody's ever been called John before. Why John? Remember what I told you about Benjamin and being called Ben-Onai but then changed to Benjamin? Because there's something to be said about the meaning of a name. God promised a spirit-filled baby, check. Promised a baby, check. 
and he said to name him John. Now, Zacharias could have been like, okay, when the baby was born, I can talk now. Okay, the birth certificate, go ahead and put on there Zacharias or whatever. But he remembered God promised it should be John. Here's why. You know what John means? Jehovah is gracious and has shown me favor. Literally, the word means when he's holding his baby. Every time, Sister Brenda, that John cooed in the middle of the night and Elizabeth was tired and Zechariah got up from his bed and walked in there and out of a bassinet picked up a baby. Every time he held that baby, Sister Patricia, he remembered not only God promised he'd be spirit-filled, not only did God promise there's a plan for him, not only did God promise that I'd have a baby, but every time in his hand, he held in his hand, God, you've been good to me. God, you've been gracious to me. God, your favor shines upon me. That's why we sing every time we leave this building or we pray, Lord, may your face shine upon you and be gracious unto you and your countenance be lifted up towards us and give us peace. Every time he held that baby, he was holding, God, you've been good. God, you've been gracious. God, your favor is resting upon me. That's what Christmas is all about. Say it ain't so. There is a promise being given to us as a baby. We were told there would be a baby born in Bethlehem. That's happened. We told he would save the nations of the world. That happened. We told he would die on the cross. That happened. We were told he was buried in a tomb. That happened. We told that he was resurrected on the third day. That happened. But there's one more promise that has not happened, but is still to come. The Bible said there shall come a day. The trump of God shall sound. You know who's blowing it? Gabriel. The same one that stands at the right hand of the Father. That announced John's arrival. That announced Jesus' arrival. He's also going to blow a trumpet. But this time he's not announcing Christ. He's not announcing John. But he's announcing the homegoing of the church. When the trump of God shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise up. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds of glory. And forever shall be with the Lord. There's one promise still to happen. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the King. Will you stand all over the house this morning? Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. Father, I have done the very best of my ability to preach your word today to the people of God. Before we are praying our benedictory prayer, I simply want to ask this. There's many on this list that have asked, need a touch from the Lord, but I want to let you know the reason this sermon says the joy of a promise is God also promised that if you had a need, He is faithful and just to take care of that. By His stripes we can claim healing. He's as close as the mention of His name. Where two or three agree as gathered as touching any one thing, He's in their midst. That means there's still promises in God's Word that we can hold on to in the day and hour we're living in. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I simply want to ask you, is there someone here this morning that would say, Pastor, I want to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I want to experience the joy of that promise. No one looking around but me and Jesus. You just slip your hand up on this house. Make sure you're right with God. Yes, thank you. I also want to ask, is there anybody on the sound of my voice this morning would say, Pastor, I have a need in my life. You don't have to tell me what it is, but you say, Pastor, I have a need in my life, and I just need God to help me and help take care of it. I need this Lord to help me with the situation. Will you slip your hand up? Nobody looking around but me and Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Here's what I want you to do. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you feel comfortable, I want you to do something for me. You don't have to leave your seat. I'm not going to make you come up here today. 
But if you feel comfortable, I want you to just, in your own way, to just lift your hands wherever you are as a sign of surrender to the Lord. Almost like a child raising his hands up wanting to be picked up by his father or mother. And I'm going to pray for you, but I also want you to pray for your need as well as the needs of others. But I came by to remind somebody there's still a promise giver and a promise uh, keeper, and that name is Jesus Christ. Father, in the name that's above every name, at that name of Jesus, where every knee bow and tongue confess that you are God to the glory of God the Father. God, you are a very present help in time of trouble. You are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You are a healer. You are a deliverer. You are a sustainer of life. You are a giver of, of, of life. You are a Holy Ghost baptizer. You are a soon-coming king. There are men and women today, God, that need a touch from God Almighty today. They need to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. They have an unspoken need or a troubling need. There are some that want to give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. In this moment, in the secrecy of this hour, God, I am asking your need, your presence to come and meet these needs. I'm praying when they leave this place, healings would take place. Deliverances would take place. I'm praying, God, that marriages and finances and children would come back into agreement and alliance together. We would walk in the will and the power of your divine will and divine order. I pray you would help us as a church to be a beacon of light and an encouragement to our community and to continue to sustain and keep, uh, Lord, the, your, your words and to be faithful. God, there's something to be said about faithfulness. Help us in this Christmas season to experience not only the joy of Christmas, but God, help others experience the joy of Christmas. God, there are needs throughout this house, but I know that if you said if we would just call upon your name, you would be right there. So God, today we call upon you today and ask you to be in this place and meet the needs. And as we go to and fro these destinations, God, may you bless us and keep us and your face shine upon us. And be gracious to us and lift up your countenance upon us and give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. Guard our hearts. Lord, help us to come back again into your house to worship you today. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. Before we are dismissed, pray our benedictory prayer. Please don't forget we will have services tonight, just regular services. Tonight, no men or women meeting tonight. We're going to have regular service uh, as we're revamping some things. Don't forget Christmas party next week for children. Christmas party for church at 5. Christmas party for kids at 11 next Saturday. And uh, continue to pray for all these needs and requests. Before we pray our benedictory prayer, let us say our benediction and proclamation to the Lord. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Brother Randy Erchberg, would you pray our benedictory prayer? Immediately following, God bless you. Those online, I love you. I'm praying for you. Those in-house, likewise, we, got, we, we welcome you not only to church today, but we bless you and hope to see you in the house real soon. God bless. Brother Randy.